Ideas matter. Ideas matter. This is Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has confirmed his four-day visit to China, which will begin on Saturday. Albanese will be the first top Australian leader to visit China since 2016 during a time of thawing relationship between the two countries. Where is the state of China-Australia relations now? What can be expected from the upcoming visit? And what are the challenges going forward during this time of increasing global uncertainties? To discuss these issues and more, I'm glad to be joined by Geoff Rabe, former Australian ambassador to China and Chen Hong, professor at East China Normal University. Welcome to Dialogue. Uh, I will start with uh, Ambassador Rabe. Uh, you know, on this show, we talked about the expectation of the visit by Prime Minister Albanese, and now it's becoming true. So can we see this is a moment to celebrate, to feel happy about, you know, for people who care about this bilateral relationship? Well, good evening and a pleasure to be here. Uh, yes, I mean, this is a very important visit, long overdue. The last prime ministerial visit to China was 2016, so it's seven years without that high-level engagement, which for decades was a fundamental uh, structure of the bilateral relationship. So uh, this, I think, should be seen as the last step towards normalising the bilateral relationship between Australia and China after its very uh, major disruption starting really at the beginning of uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, Professor Chen Hong, so I mean, uh, let's say this, uh, the, the, if after the success of the visit, um, I mean, people from both sides uh, will celebrate with Australian wines. Uh, yes, uh, not only wine, I think actually because uh, as in any international trade, there are, you know, disputes between any, you know, you know, you know, commercial parties in various scenarios. So in this case, of course, China and Australia used to have this uh, dispute over the dumping and subsidization, you know, regarding concerning the wine products from Australia. But I think actually the, uh, uh, the previous administration, the Morris administration used to uh, politicize and even weaponize trade disputes so that actually things were not easily to be solved. Even, you know, in some situation, it could be even worsened. But after Albanese, uh, took office in uh, Canberra last year. You know, both sides have been, you know, taking a more responsible, you know, attitude to solve the issues. So that actually uh, disputes and controversies over trade uh, have been, you know, discussed and ne negotiated and reach a solution. So not only uh, wine, but also barley, but also some other products are being, you know, discussed. Even also, you know, you know, Australian, you know, uh, 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 have been also, you know, exerting. Uh, you know, anti-dumping tariffs on Chinese products, for example, like uh, wind towers. So that actually both sides have been negotiating these uh, uh, terms so that actually uh, solutions have been reached. I think this is actually a very optimistic uh, uh, step towards uh, further development of the bilateral relations, in particular, led by the trade relations. Mm -hmm. uh, Ambassador Rabe, so if you look at uh, the major disruption, as you mentioned, uh, in the relationship, uh, uh, so, to what you uh, you know attributed to probably in terms of uh, you know like if we, if we want to learn any lesson from what happened over the past years, uh, you know, is it because of the change of the government in Canberra? So we are now improving the ties, stabilizing the ties. 
uh, or because uh, you know the change of attitudes maybe from both sides? Uh, certainly, the change of the Australian government has been a major factor. There's also been, I think, a change on the Chinese side in terms of how it's approached its diplomacy, not just with respect to Australia, but uh, uh, more broadly, globally. Um, I think we've seen, finally, uh, an end to the very self-destructive wolf warrior diplomacy that we witnessed uh, over the last couple of years uh, from China. But at the same time, the Australian government changed in May last year, and I don't think we would be in this place where we are now had the Australian government not changed. Because with that change, uh, there was both, as you suggest, a change of tone and a change of rhetoric, but also I think a change of substance in how the Australian government approached the China relationship. And the Prime Minister has set out very clearly a framework for uh, how Australia will deal with the China relationship. It is a very important one, extremely important to Australia. It's very complex. It's made all the more complex by China's great and rapid rise to a major regional power, global power indeed. Um, and so the formula the Prime Minister has, uh, I think is a very good one. It is cooperate where we can, disagree where we must because we have to be upfront and recognize uh, our differences in values and differences in political and social organization, uh, but do these things in our interests. By that he means, don't approach the relationship based on ideological preconceptions, uh, but rather uh, deal with it in a very pragmatic way. And I think that works for both sides. And I think that's the space we're in now. Mm -hmm. The triumph of uh, pragmatism. Uh, as uh, you know, Professor Chen mentioned, you know, the Australian side has ended tariffs on Chinese uh, wind turbine towers and greenlighted you know, continued release of the Darwin port by a Chinese firm, of course. In a reciprocal manner, the Chinese side lifted tariffs on Australian barley, you know, restarted imports of coal and timber, and agreed to re-examine the tariffs on wine. Uh, so Chen Hong, does that you know, mean, or does that reveal probably a kind of realization on both sides that the bilateral relationship is one of win-win and the continued engagement is mutually beneficial. Yeah, first of all, I agree with uh, Jeff in the actual, actual in fact, uh, both uh, Albanese and Penny Wong, Australia's uh, uh, foreign minister, have been repeatedly making the policy statement, you know, with reference to Australia's relationship with China, that Australia will cooperate where we, we means Australia, of course, will cooperate where we can and disagree where we must. I think upon this code of conduct, China, you know, sees eye to eye with Australia because there are numerous areas where we have, you know, common and interlocking interests and goals, but we do recognize differences, which sometimes could be significantly contrasting and even contradicting. So actually China has its own stances and attitudes while Australia also has its own interests to look after, but both sides need to, you know, seek out their, their common ground so that actually a more, you know, trusting, you know, relationship could be established rather than, you know, a relationship based upon, you know, uh, distrust and even confrontation, even, you know, leading towards conflagration like as they are in their previous governments. I agree that actually their change of government uh, has, uh, you know, led towards the you know, change of attitudes on the part of Canberra, which had been reciprocated by, uh, you know, by Beijing, which had also been, you know, helping, you know, in, in its own way to, uh, you know, to solve their relationship and also to 
pro, uh, to, to, to seek their solutions to various issues, including trade relations and other issues. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Chen Huang, you mentioned about the trust. Uh, uh, can we say mm -hmm. that uh, there are, I mean, the trust is being rebuilt, or can we say trust has been restored between the two sides, uh, you know, in terms of, let's say, being pragmatic toward each other? Yeah, first of all, I think actually trust is built upon, you know, a mutual trust is based, based upon mutual understanding. Because actually, the, uh, I think Albanese, Mr. Albanese's business is very important in that actually the uh, higher level uh, interaction and meeting and dialogue have been, you know, uh, contributing towards, uh, you know, mutual understanding you know, about each other's stances, you know, each other's, uh, you know, basic needs and also interests. These are very important in that, uh, you know, for each other to know really about each other, what, what what the other side really wants and really dislikes, you know. And upon that, actually, of course, we can, uh, you know, you know, strive towards mutual trust. So from mutual understanding towards mutual uh, trust, which would lead towards, you know, cooperation, which would further mm -hmm. result in, uh, you know, mutual benefits. That is the three mutuality, I think, could be serving as the cornerstones for our relationship. Yeah, the cornerstone, uh, the trust issue here. Uh, of course, let's take a closer look at the relationship. Uh, you know, Professor Rabe, uh, we know that according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, uh, uh, in August 2023, this year, you know, the value of Australian uh, exports, you know, of both goods and services uh, to the Chinese side, uh, uh, the number has reached more than 200 billion uh, Australian dollars uh, this year already. This number is uh, two times larger than the number in 2016, um, you know, when the last time our Australian Prime Minister visited China. So what do you make of that? Uh, you know, does that you know, show enough, like how important, how valuable this relationship is, I mean, to both sides? Yes, I look, it's, it's astonishing. It's also three times, three times mm -hmm. more than it was when I finished uh, my term as ambassador in 2011. And I think in those days, we thought that was pretty much a record. So it's, uh, it's extraordinary. It has to be recognised as such um, and welcomed, of course, and very much welcomed by Australia. It, it goes a long way to underpinning Australian living standards. And that will be a, a key message for the Prime Minister when he is here. And, and also a major reason why the Prime Minister is coming. We, we are very dependent on Chinese consumption of our, um, of our exports. So it is a major development. It is remarkable, despite all the differences and issues we've had in our relationship, how much it's continued to grow. It is, of course, heavily dependent on a couple of major commodities. But there's always been great potential to diversify the relationship. Uh, and I think this is going to be also another theme of the Prime Minister's visit, that uh, there is tremendous opportunity to diversify into high-value-added services and into more sophisticated products, including manufactured goods. Mm -hmm. uh, Speaker of the art aspects of this relationship, uh, uh, Professor Chen Hong, you know, from the first of this month, uh, we would see more direct flights will be added between China and Australia. Uh, so both sides have uh, expressed the hope that this will bridge uh, the way, uh, you know, for easier and better people-to-people -people exchange. I mean, these people would agree probably this is an important aspect to this bilateral relationship. Uh, how do you compare the, the current situation, you know, people-to-people -to, -people to, uh, to, the, to the situation like before the pandemic? Yeah, I just learned yesterday from a, you know, visiting Australian friends that she will be flying back to Australia on Saturday on a Qantas fl flight. 
from Shanghai to Melbourne. So it is indeed encouraging to see you know, flights between the two countries, you know, routes between you know, different de destinations, you know, cities are coming back. You know, China has been Australia's biggest source country of uh, international tourists and also international students. I think the resumption of flights is a meaningful uh, step to normalize or even you know, develop and promote people-to-people -people exchanges, which is, of course, very important to the uh, uh, improvement of the bilateral relations. Australia is now in the list of uh, destination countries for group travel from China. And the winter vacation and spring festival holiday season are around the corner. So on the other hand, China is also welcoming international travelers, including tourists from around the world, including Australia. So I'm quite confident that the bilateral travel will come back to its normal you know, pre-COVID level. Mm -hmm. uh, something uh, personal, if you don't mind, Professor Chen Hong, you, do mm -hmm. you have any plan to go to Australia, uh, you know, for, for, you know, for, I mean, I know uh, academic studies, for exchanges with your mm -hmm. colleagues in Australia, uh, given what happened to yeah. you, you know, a, year, a few mm -hmm. years back? Yeah, in a uh, previous, before the pandemic, actually, I used to travel to Australia quite frequent, frequently. Uh, usually, you know, on a basis of maybe bi-monthly, you know, maybe you know, once uh, every two months, something like that. In uh, 2019, I think I traveled to Australia for five or six times for conferencing, for research, and also for uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, university delegation visits. Of course, so, your uh, background sure is, uh, is uh, you know, you're expert on Australia. I mean, naturally, you will have mm -hmm. a, a lot of uh, interchange with your with your colleagues there, right? Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. and so, it, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I uh, I think actually with the uh, uh, normalization or stabilization of the bilateral relations. I hope actually things will really come back to normal, to its normal status. So that actually, you know, academic travel on, you know, academic and also, you know, for academic and also ed education purposes will resume, you know, instead of being politicized or even weaponized. Uh, just the last, uh, last, last week, I just had two, uh, you know, international conferences in Beijing and also in Hefei. Uh, uh, for uh, Australian studies. And also this week, I just had two visiting Australian academics visiting my university, my center, to give talks and, you know, in a forum for our students and also staff. So I hope actually in the coming year, you know, with the visits from Australia by Prime Minister uh, Albanese, I think our visit to Australia will also resume and back to normal. Ideas matter. Ideas matter. This is Dialogue. Uh, so, Ambassador, so can we say we are expecting the full uh, normalization in terms of people-to-people -people exchange here? Yes, I, I, I think so, and I think we should be clear about it. I don't think we need to hesitate uh, or be too qualified in our language. Uh, a prime ministerial visit following a number of uh, senior minister visits in both ways uh, and the resolution of a number of bilateral issues that have been sticking points in the relationship for the last three years. I think with this together, uh, we should be very open and declare that the relationship is back to normal. Thank goodness. It's been in this uh, uh, position of um, great uncertainty for a long time. Uh, I think the Australian government for its part, this Chinese government's worked hard as well, but from my point of view, the Australian government uh, has done a very good job at uh, steering uh, our side of the relationship back to where we are today, welcoming a 
prime ministerial visit in a couple of days. So, yes, we are we are back to normal. I think uh, we should think about being open to each other for business. Uh, I agree very much with Professor Chen about the importance of um, the uh, academic exchanges, uh, student exchanges, uh, and and let's uh, look to the future and start to think about a, um, a constructive forward agenda and let this period uh, settle behind us and be something that we learn from but don't uh, be obsessed by. Mm -hmm. uh, Ambassador, you know, of course, uh, uh, the Prime Minister will be attending this uh, the sixth uh, China International Import Expo in Shanghai. Uh, that's for business. We know that's uh, basically China is opening its doors to welcome the uh, you know import of, uh, of goods and services from other countries, including Australia. So, what can we expect for that uh, opportunity? Oh, I I know that there's a very very big Australian contingent. Uh, also, there will be connected with that an Australian lunch for the Prime Minister this coming Sunday. Uh, where I understand a couple of hundred uh, Australian businesses and their Chinese colleagues will be represented. I've had the good fortune in a private capacity to participate in several of the uh, expos, the import expos in Shanghai, and I can hardly wait for the Australian Prime Minister to see it, to be exposed to the scale, um, the, um, the excitement, the enthusiasm around the expo. It's going to be a very good uh, thing in terms of the Prime Minister's own education. Uh, Professor Chen, you know, uh, there's uh, related to this bilateral relationship, you know, Australia has mm. made it known that, uh, you know, they will not oppose China's uh, application to CPTT, uh, TPP, mm. the Comprehensive Progressive mm. Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, you know, that's uh, people would mm. say a uh, high uh, threshold for or higher level of uh, free trade. Uh, so, can we, I mean, uh, people would say that's a positive uh, element in terms of uh, thawing the relationship. Um, uh, but of course, if you look at the, the larger picture, uh, you know, what kind of a role that may play in China's uh, pursuit for a higher uh, level of, uh, of a free trade and, and, and the investment? We certainly hope that Australia will stick to the uh, you know, rational and realistic principle towards China with regard to uh, China's efforts to join the uh, CPTPP. You know, globalization is the trend, you know, the uh, unstoppable trend of today's world. But China is the second largest economy in the world, the most you know, significant economic force in the uh, Asia-Pacific region. So China's participation in the CPTPP world, you know, uh, inject dynamism in the development of the regional economy, which is particularly, you know, imperative against this background of you know, global economic downturn, you know, slow down after the impact of the COVID pandemic. As a matter of fact, I think China and Australia have been proactive and, uh, you know, constructive economic partners over the past couple of decades. And both countries have been, you know, contributing towards the healthy and successful uh, growth of regions, regional development and prosperity. Both Australia and China are, you know, uh, members of uh, ASEP, and there's also a trade, free trade agreement between China and Australia. So I think both countries, the both two countries, China and Australia, need to continue to play their critical roles to make more contribution to the prospect of a sound and uh, fr fruitful regional and also world economic order. Mm -hmm. As we have discussed so far, we can see there are you know a lot of a common interests in terms of a free trade. 
you know, regional free trade uh, agreement there uh, or bilateral agreement between China and Australia and uh, in terms of export and services, et cetera. Uh, Ambassador, uh, but we also know that, you know, against the bilateral relationship, there's a larger uh, backdrop that is the U.S. Uh, I mean, uh, strategic competition with China, uh, in particular in this Asia-Pacific region. And uh, the Prime Minister uh, had just been to Washington before his uh, you know, China visit. Um, so, again, you know, how do you make of um, this, this fact of the U.S. in terms of China-Australia relationship here? Yeah, look, it's become for Australia a very complicated foreign policy uh, challenge. Uh, the more uh, China, US, US, China, uh, geopolitical competition has intensified. Uh, it's put an enormous pressure on a country like Australia. It just so happens that we have this major profound complementarity between our two economies. We've talked about the scale of Australia's exports to China now and, and China's exports to Australia. Uh, we have massive interdependencies between us and they have to be accommodated in a complex uh, uh, situation where our uh, national security is firmly uh, linked to uh, the relationship between Australia and, and, and the US, the treaty security relationship called uh, ANZUS. And so on one hand we have uh, ANZUS which, which we see as a major significant guarantor of our security um, and we have the Chinese market, which is a major and significant contributor to Australia's prosperity. So this does create for any Australian government a major foreign policy challenge. But as I set out, I hope clearly in my book of 2020, um, Australia just needs to be smart and capable in managing these diplomatic challenges. They're not insurmountable they just require uh, good diplomacy. And I think under the current government, we're seeing a return to good diplomacy exercised by Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, when the Prime Minister was uh, in Washington, you know, the US President Biden uh, stressed that, you know, the AUKUS, uh, you know, US, uh, Australia and the UK, um, some of it's called a military alliance, you know, in whatever way, or the Indo-Pacific strategy, or you know the Quad, etc. All these development, uh, Biden said, is um, the the aim is for stability. The aim is not to constrain China. Do you think listeners in Australia buy that uh, rhetoric, Ambassador? Yeah. Look, uh, to be frank, I don't think any government. The sorry. Yeah, go ahead, please. Oh, thank you. No, to be frank, I don't think any government, either uh, the Australian government, the US government or the British government have been very clear uh, or skillful in explaining what AUKUS is all about uh, and how it will eventually operate if it operates at all. Um, I think the unfortunate thing for me at least with AUKUS is that um, it is a strange Anglo-Saxon arrangement where one of the parties, the United Kingdom, has very minimal, um, minimal uh, strategic interests in the East Asian region and basically no assets or resources in the uh, re region to advance those interests. Um, so it's very much a retrograde, I think, development, uh, backward looking. 
Um, but the governments at the moment are very much committed to it. And every time they meet, of course, they have to talk about it and will talk about it. But, you know, when you look at the timeframes when, for example, Australia might get its first nuclear submarine, um, the whole strategic landscape in the region uh, will have changed and it will keep evolving and it will evolve partly in response to the fact that we've announced this uh, AUKUS pact. It's very dynamic. So it's all got a long way to run. Um, but yes, you can expect this to be an issue to be discussed uh, between our leaders when they meet at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Professor Chen Hong, uh, some would say, uh, of course, in the Australian case, on one hand, they have this uh, security relationship with the traditional partner in the US, uh, the ally. On the other hand, they have a strong relationship with the biggest uh, trading partner in China. Um, some would say Australian has learned to cooperate and coexist with the situation or with China here. Um, how, how representative uh, is that? And for a lot of countries, probably, if they you know, refuse to choose, refuse to choose to side with this country or the other, and they want to benefit from their relationship with both China and the US. I mean, can we say that's largely the trend or the choice of the majority of the countries here? No, I think actually the uh, uh, Australia has been caught in between, you know, you know, two strong uh, economic f uh, forces in the world, that's the United States and uh, China. But certainly, China doesn't have an interest in asking Australia to take side with it. With it, you know, uh, the United States has been asking Australia to take its side, but China has never been asking Australia to be taking the Chinese side. But I think actually, uh, China and Australia has got this. Uh, comprehensive strategic partnership which has been existing since uh, between the two countries uh, 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 since uh, 2014. Uh, I these weeks these several weeks I've been writing and speaking you know on several occasions in evocation of a new model uh, of China Australia partnership which I hope would also be applicable uh, to other countries because the traditional concept of partnership stresses on the uh, basis of common values but we need to consider and form a new model of partnership, which acknowledges differences and sometimes even, you know, uh, tolerates the contradictions. But more importantly, I think this new model prioritizes mutual benefits based on respect and trust. So what we are capable of doing is a model of practical uh, strategic partnership. I call it a practical strategic partnership, which sets itself apart from the more idealistic comprehensive partnership, which uh, which some nefarious forces have with ulterior motives have been you know, obfuscating with the so-called like-mindedness or common values. In particular, in today's world with enormous and unexpected changes, we need to be realistic and resort to practicality. So I think between China and Australia, both us, you know, both China and Australia, are at present working towards this new model, and I hope it will be successful. And this new model could serve as an example, as you said, for the uh, international relations today and also hopefully in the future. With that, we come to the end of today's show. Many thanks to our guests. You can also find us on the CGTN app on YouTube. Thank you for being with us. I'm Xu Qinduo. See you next time.